Welcome to Ask the Preacher with Pastor Wayne Freed. I was out of jail on bond, facing over 100 years in prison, reaching for a gun to blow my brains out when God stopped me with a vision. I know what it is to be down and out. I know what it is to be up, and up is better. I told the Lord I was going to find out if the Bible was really true, and let me tell you, friend, that it is. The Bible is really true. Ask the Preacher, designed so that you can have your questions answered according to what the Bible says. Well, hello, this is Wayne Freed with Believer's Fellowship Word of Faith Church right here in Lakeland, Florida, in this beautiful weather. We are, are, are here in place of George Locke, and so it's been uh, a real honor to be able to get back on radio. I have uh, can, uh, Randy Eplin. Can I say, China? Yeah. Okay. Sure. Okay, they, they, they just, you know, they, they kill people for preaching the gospel in certain places and stuff, and Randy's been... A missionary to China for what was it now? Seventeen years? Nine years. Nine years there, and then Estonia, and Latvia. Latvia for quite a few more. Yeah, yeah. Okay. twenty-four years in total, actually. So I remember how you got started. You said you were a teacher at Lakeland High School, and you said, "Lord, what am I doing? That's eternal." And boy, there you went like a rocket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think back on that, and uh, I've never looked back. Uh, it's been quite a it's been quite a ride, and you know, um, quite. A, I say ride. I, I think a better word is journey. It's been a wonderful journey with God, in trusting God, in uh, watching God do things and move in our life and our family, and <coughs> change people's lives overseas, raise people up for the work of the ministry. It's been, uh, it's been wonderful, and you know, what I like to say, Pastor Wayne, is the the, the best is yet to come. Well, you know, when you get a little gray, like you got gray all over you now, brother. Wait yeah. a minute, let me look at those legs. Yeah, he's wearing <laughs> shorts, folks. It's fifty-five degrees out there, or something close to that, and he's wearing shorts. Um, I'm on a motorcycle, but I got leather pants on. Let me tell you, <laughs> it's cold out there. Remember that picture? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Randy Eplin, uh, missionary to the world. And uh, the thing I was mentioning about the color of your hair, and you know, you could, you always he was always looked like a like a, a American model, the teenage model <laughs> when he came down from Ohio. Um, his his twin brother oh, was my youth pastor for thirteen years. Randy became our youth pastor for thirteen years or more. And uh, anyway, uh, he's just that good looking American, and and he's over here going around the world, you know. And uh, I thought, well, now that you're you're on the last, I don't know if I should say the last leg of your, but you're, you know, you've, you about have, the final third of the journey, maybe. Yeah. You've got, you've yeah. got a lot of years in. And so that should give you a, a healthy sense of where you sowed your life, where, where you put your treasure. Jesus said where your money is, that's where your heart is, you know, wherever your treasure is. And so that's why I encourage people to tie. They're kidding themselves, you know, if you'll mark down on your calendar when you really sacrifice for God and you'll. It might shock you. I used I used to do quite a bit of fasting, and so I got to where I was marking it down on my calendar when I fasted. And one day I looked it up. Man, I wasn't fasting hardly at all. You know, I, there was a time I did, but then you get away from it. So if you don't have people to help you uh, be accountable, uh, you can get carnal real quick. It's interesting how, um, w- with what you just said about having people to help you to be accountable. Uh, we we all we, we we ought to invite accountability in our lives. Mm-hmm. It's like instead of 
instead of just talking about, well, you know, it'd really be nice to be accountable, invite people, find an accountability partner. You know, your pastor can serve as that person or someone on your on, on the pastoral staff or or someone who's very faithful in, in the Lord and who's who's become an adult in in the faith. Um, and, and I find that to be very, very wise uh, to find people that you can you can talk to. Um, I had a guy call me today, uh, I think I mentioned it to you, who reached out and was having a really hard time, good brother, you know, and he said, I just, I wanted to reach out to you, Pastor Randy, because you know what, I know you believe. And uh, having people in your life that believe and that'll tell you the truth, even if it, even if it hurts, I think is so valuable. Well, you'd be surprised how many people have left the faith. Now, a lot of them won't use those kind of words. I don't go to church anymore. Oh, you don't have, you know, they, they, they all have the same thing. They got the same demon spirit speaking to their ear, saying things like, well, I used to go to church, but you don't need to go to church anyway. You know? And uh, I met a, a young lady. We went over to see uh, one of the guys that used to go to our church many years ago. There's about five or six of us jumped in a car and drove into their, their city. It wasn't a long ways, but we went over there for the purpose of saying, man, we love you. You know, we want you to know we love you. I want you to come back. And, and the secretary there was a really strong Christian. But when I asked her if she was in church, she said, no, I don't need church. And I didn't argue with her, I, but I just said a, f- a few things. Um, I told her about a guy I met at a farmer's market. And uh, I had gathered up four or five different things there, and I brought them to him and said, how much do you want for this? And, and he gave me a price, and there were several people that he had been talking to. So I, I really um, didn't want to take over. You know, it wasn't a time for me to start preaching. And so, but I did ask him if he was planted in a good church. And uh, he told me that his mother had died, and she would not be happy to know that he was not in church. Mm. And because of the people around and because of the situation, I, didn't, I couldn't just start preaching to him uh, and take that with the right way in love, but sharing the gospel, you know, helping him. Um, I just said, put my hand on his shoulder, and I said, you know, brother, I said, I want to tell you something, and I want you to think about it. I said, God is smarter than you. And he reacted like most everybody always does when I say that. You know, like, oh, well, yeah, you know, something to that effect. But uh, I said, well, you know, he said in Hebrews eleven twenty five 25 uh, to go to church. And if God's smarter than you, you know, see, they're, 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 we, we can break it down and get real studious about it and intellectual and, and prove it to be so. But in reality, common sense tells you, you know, they ask uh uh, a great preacher of yesteryear one time about that, and they were sitting in front of the fireplace, and he took a, the tongs and took a little coal out when they first asked him about going to church, and he put it out on the hearth. And as he, they asked him and started talking about people who, who don't go to church, and he used that as an example. He said, when you asked me, I took that glowing orange, hot, fire hot, you know, coal, that ember, out of the fireplace and set it on the hearth, and it didn't take it long to go cold. But as long as it stayed with the group, it was burning hot. Just the way it works. God, you know, people forget, but Jesus said, I will build my church. It wasn't man's idea at all. 
Well, you know, you, you stole my thunder because <laughs> that's exactly what I wanted to share that, you know, when, for my own personal testimony, you know, I'd, I, I used to think, you know, in all of my infinite wisdom in my youth that, you know, the church was a, was a, a social idea. It was, a, it was something, it was a way for the government to control my mind and control my thinking. And I didn't, so I didn't want any part of it. And when I, I got revelation of what you just said, that, you know, upon this rock will build my church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I realized, I realized through the scripture that the church is not man's idea, it's God's idea. And see, that changed everything for me because I realized that uh, the church is something, is, is God's mechanism to help us to grow up, to help us uh, in our, our lives, all of our lives. And, uh, and so what, what, I, what I always try to help people with is to be connected with, with, what, with what God's plan is for your life. Isn't it interesting how, how simple that is to understand, yet how challengingly complicated it, 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 it becomes to actually get in your car, take a bus, take a walk, and actually go to church and become faithful to the local body. It's exactly the thing that the devil does not want us to do, and it keeps us from growing up. Okay, well, this is Wayne Freed and uh, Randy Eplin with us today, and, and we're taking uh, George Locke's place for, for this radio day. Uh, we, we're going to take a little break, and we'll be right back with Ask the Preacher in just a minute. You're listening to Ask the Preacher, a question-and-answer talk show with Pastor Wayne Freed of Believer's Fellowship Word of Faith Church. Well, hello. This is Wayne Freed, and I am here with Randy Eplin. Hello, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> hey there, Pastor Wayne. I, uh, you know, we're, 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 we're chatting, you know, in between the break. You know, we're talking, talking about um, what I consider to be faithfulness and commitment, and uh, I... I it, it pains me. It's interesting. It, it pains me. I, I got, I got people in my life. I've got family in my life that, um, that are not serving the Lord. Uh, and, 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 you know, I've dedicated my life to serving the Lord in my adult life, but I do remember when I was lost. And I do remember when I was, uh, oh my goodness. I was, uh, I was living life for myself. I was depressed. I was Aim, I, I was uh, aimless in my life, and uh, and you know I I, I often I, I, it, 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 I'm trying to describe what it was like for me to to come into a knowledge of Jesus Christ, to come into a knowledge of the faith, and I tell you when it happened, I um I was um, I had gotten really drunk one night, and I it was in the middle of the night. It was like two or three o'clock in the morning. And uh, I was in Ohio and living by myself. And uh, I, uh, it, it was as if the, it was as if blinders were lifted from my eyes. I don't know how to describe it except to say that when, when I, when I thought of the scriptures and I thought that, that uh, Jesus, that, that Jesus uh, came into the world to save sinners, um, I got it. It's like it, it clicked with me. And uh, I remember I called my twin brother. I called him up at 3 o'clock in the morning. I was so excited. 
I was like, and I called him up. Now, how I, old were you then? I think I was 20, 20 years old. And uh, I called him up and I woke him up, of course. And he thought I was on one of my, another one of my drunken high stupors, you know, because I'd call him and rail about God. And I, I was, I, I was a mess, you know. <laughs> I was a mess, and I know those of you listening out there, and I, you don't relate to that at all, I'm sure. But it's like uh, I, 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 I joke, but I, I, I told my brother, I said, I really, I really have given my heart to Jesus. I said, I see it now. I didn't see it before, and here's what I believe. Here's what I think. I think that there are people praying for me. I think that I remember. You remember Eva Jenkins? Oh yeah. Yeah, Eva Jenkins would pray for me. She'd get me in the spirit for hours, and the Holy Ghost would wake her up in the middle of the night and pray for her, and then she'd call my twin brother and ask him, how's Randy doing? And I, I could tell you stories of how God spared my life. I was driving home. I, you know, I was so lost. <laughs> I, you know, and so when I think about my, my loved ones, I'm thinking about my family, um, I just wait for the suddenly to come in their life. I believe in God for all of them, and I will not stop, and I will not, I will not give in, and I will continue uh, to believe God and wait for the Holy Spirit to, to, to lead me of what I need to say or what I need to do or when I need to call to bring the case, to bring it home. This, this little lady, Eva Jenkins, um, do you know what her nickname was? I don't think I do. Smokey. Everybody knew her as Smokey. I did not know that. Well, she used to do some ironing for us, and and uh, she's a sweet little lady. But we had to rewash the clothes because we couldn't. It they smelled so much like smoke. Now here's my point: when I first met Eva, a chiropractor who had helped my family, they went to this chiropractor. You know, he called me one day and said, "Can you come down here and pray for this person?" He said, "They are like death warmed over." They are like, it's, I don't know what, how they're still alive. That You know, I don't remember all the details now. It's been, I don't know, 40-some-odd, 50 years, you know, now. But anyway, I went down there and prayed for her, and the Lord healed her and raised her up. That little lady's the one that was praying for you. Wow. And I just wanted to say to the people out there, one of the biggest problems that I see that people have is they have no purpose. They have no vision. There's no reason for them to live. And no wonder they're depressed. There's a lot of depression out there. There's the suicide rate has gone through the roof and people are just so unhappy in church or out of church. They just, they need a purpose. I, when I got saved, my whole life changed because I had a purpose. I told the Lord I was out of jail on bond, reaching for a gun to blow my brains out when God stopped me with a vision. And long story short, I said out of my mouth, if I, I was going to find out if God was really real, if the Bible was true, I knew there was a God. I wasn't a fool. Anybody that doesn't believe in God, the Bible says, I think it's Psalm 14, one, another place too, but it says only the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They might spit it out out of the top of their head, but not in their heart. If they really believe there's no God, they're a fool. Now, that's not my wisdom speaking. That's God. He said, they're a fool. So I always knew there was a God, but I didn't know there was a heaven and a hell and a judgment. I didn't know I was going to have to give account of my life. And I was facing all this time in prison. And I said, I'm not going. I'd been in trouble all my life. I said, I'm not going. I, I was facing 11 felonies. I looked a cop in the eye with a gun on my belt, told him I'd blow his thick and brains out if he didn't take some LSD. I was in big trouble back then. 
just possession of one marijuana cigarette was five years in prison. Things have changed a lot. I know. I know. Democrats are in office. Anyway, <laughs> we'll move along. The, the thing is, when, uh, when, I, when I began to pursue God, and then I, I, that gave me hope. That gave me hope. I started going to a church that preached the word. The preacher would quote chapter and verse and then quote the scripture. So I started taking notes because I didn't believe he could do that. I didn't believe anybody knew that much Bible. I thought he was conning the whole church. It was a smaller church, 100 people or something. But you, and so I'd take these notes and, and started looking it up. My life changed in six weeks, and I wasn't even born again yet. Wow. Yeah, and then I got saved on a Harley-Davidson Sportster, and Jesus changed my life. I came back to all my friends. I said, he's real, he's real, he's real, he's real, he's real. They said, who's real? I said, Jesus. And they said, oh, man, we know that. I said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I mean, the Bible is really true. And they said, we believe the Bible. What do you think we are, heathen? <laughs> yes, they were heathen. They're the ones that brought drugs into central Florida. These people were evil. Okay, anyway. So I found Jesus Christ, and he changed my life. And I had purpose. I had purpose, like Smokey had purpose. Eva Jenkins had purpose. And you, brother, have reached... I don't know how many thousands of people. You're, you're running a Bible school in China. My goodness, think of it. Think of it. And then over there in, in, uh, in Estonia and Latvia and, and all these places that you're in. And Lakeland, too. You know, and let's don't forget Lakeland, Florida. And God has used you to reach all these people because of partly, at least partly because a little lady named Smokey began to pray for you sincerely she had purpose and you know as i think about that and you think about those of you that that might be listening in your car or at home right now or you're driving home from work um pray for your loved ones pray for your friends you know what stand in the gap for them because i you know what i believe that i, I believe that nothing happens unless we pray we need to pray we need to ask god and i i and so I, I began, I, I just began to pray over my loved ones, and, and, uh, and I, I preached a message, um, I, I've, I used to call it suddenly, I call it now scriptural patterns, uh, that we can understand God uh, through scriptural patterns of how he moves. And, you know, I'm believing God for suddenly, for, um, for well, I won't name names, I don't want to do that, but I've got, I've gotten close family members that I'm believing God, and they're coming in. Well, remember, it seems like suddenly to you, but to them it was their season. I could give you a lot of scripture, but we got to take a break. Uh, it's when the season comes, you got to be ready for it. And when that fruit comes, the people try to pick fruit that's not ripe, and then they get discouraged because they can't lead anybody to the Lord, or they lead them to the Lord, but they don't really stay. You know, you just, you just plant the seed or you water the seed, God will give the increase. And if you get to deliver a baby, I used to get a lot of people saved sometimes. And then I'd say, okay, Lord, you can let somebody else do it for a while. I'm encouraged now. Because <laughs> it was so much fun to lead somebody to the Lord. But I said, I can do the hard work too. All right. Well, this is Wayne Freed, and you're listening to Ask the Preacher. We're going to take a little break, and we'll be right back with Ask the Preacher right after these words. Welcome back to Ask the Preacher 
a question and answer talk show with Pastor Wayne Freed of Believer's Fellowship Word of Faith Church. Well, hello. This is Wayne Freed with Ask the Preacher. They got on me about saying Ask the Preacher. So it's Ask the Preacher. Um, we appreciate George Locke letting us talk and Randy Eplin, missionary to the world. Spent nine years in China and I don't know how many years in Latvia and 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 Estonia and uh, started off teaching as a high school teacher in in um, Lakeland High. Um, I want to tell you a story. Kenneth Hagin told this story. I I I guess goodness he was in his eighties when he told this story. A man came to see him. He needed help. He was an older man. He had, he retired. He had been a a teacher. In one of the most uh, respected schools in the southwestern part of the United States, and uh, his wife had left him, but she brought him to Brother Hagen, asking if if Brother Hagen could help him. And um, Brother Hagen said, I, "I I I can help you. I could help you, I, but I, I I'm not going to." He said, uh, "You have three demons," and he said, uh, I, "I see them. I, I can I." I could I could cast him out, but he said I'm not going to do it unless you promise me something. He said in in Matthew 12, 43, 44, and 45, it says when the spirit goes out of a man, he walks through dry places seeking rest, and finding none, he comes back to the house from which he came out and finds it empty, swept, and garnished. So he goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and takes that man. And the last state of the man is worse than the first. And so he said, if I were to help you, and you don't do what I tell you to do. That demon will come back, and you'll be eight times worse than you were when when we started here. And then you're going to have bad influence on a lot of other people, and I won't do it. I'm not going to be a part of it. I'm not going to help you unless you promise me something. Now, think about that, folks. There's a man of God. If you ever have—people, you people, when we get to heaven, you're going to find out what a man of God uh, Kenneth E. Hagin was, the senior. He's, uh, he wasn't a showboat. He, be, he laid foundation. And I want to tell you, he said to this man, you need to, let me tell you what the man did. He taught, I, ha, I had a note here, I had to ask my wife what some words meant because uh, I didn't really know. It's uh, psychopathy. You familiar with that? Yes. Okay, Randy. Um, it's a mental disorder. This guy taught uh, in higher education about people who, were serial killers. And although he was retired, not teaching anymore, he still had the books. He was still reading and feeding on the books, and he had become a pedophile. So even though his wife had left him, she helped him come get help from Brother Hagen, and Brother Hagen said, I won't help you unless you promise me. You'll do three things. Burn the books. And then he says, Fill yourself with the Word of God. Every day you need to be in the Bible and you need to be feeding your spirit on the Word of God. And he said, thirdly, pray in tongues for at least 30 minutes a day. And he saw them years later and he was he was delivered. He, he was still delivered because Brother Hagin helped him. But Brother Hagin said, I'm not going to help you if you don't do that because if you don't stay edified, that devil will come back. And this is where so many are. This is why people fall away from the Lord. They, they don't stay edified. And why don't they stay edified? I want to tell you my opinion. I think it's because they don't have any purpose. See, when I was out of jail on bond, reaching for a gun to blow my brains out, and God stopped me with the vision, 
when I, I began to search, I went to churches and I almost gave up because they were so dead. I'm telling you, nothing like a dead church. It'll sap the life out of you. And, uh, but, but there was a church where the man on a construction job, he was a carpenter foreman, and he, he talked to me about Jesus with tears running down his cheeks. I'd never seen anything like that. I mean, I, the only church life I knew was Presbyterian, and, and I don't mean to be ugly, but when my pastor came to see me in jail, it's like he's going to get dirty. It was just, it just wasn't right. But, but this old man on this construction job just wept talking about miracles and how God had healed him and how God had healed his son. And, and, and he, he just loved me. I never seen anything. Like, the first thing he ever said to me was he, he was walking behind me and he was whistling and he stopped and he said, son, he re- realized I was new on the job. Son, he said, there's two people in this old world that loves you. And he said, one of them's Jesus. And he said, the other one's me. He said, now nah, I'll fail you, but Jesus never will. And then he went off whistling again down the way. And I thought, I didn't know what to think. I never met anybody like that. Every day he'd talk to me about chapter and verse, chapter and verse. I'd ask him questions. I'd say, well, what, do you, what does the Bible say about this? He'd say, well, over in John's Gospel, the 14th chapter and the 12th verse, it says, and he'd quote it out. And, and every day he, I'd ask him questions. I had all these questions. Man, I was still going to prison. I was, and I, I, I was still thinking suicide because I wasn't going to prison. See, I, I needed to know if the Bible's true and there's a heaven and a hell, I don't want to go to hell. My goodness, and he was giving me answers, and I, I, I knew the value because I tried to— uh, Anyway, let me move along. So, so one day I said, Shorty, what do you think about this? And he looked at me and said, Son, it doesn't matter what I think about that. I thought, oh, I've never seen him like this. He said, and what's more, it doesn't matter what you think about that. I thought, oh, my goodness. Did I stir the pot or so? What's wrong? You know, I'm just asking a question. He said, doesn't matter what I think, doesn't matter what you think, doesn't matter what anybody thinks about that. It only matters what God says in his holy word about that. And then he quoted me chapter and verse. I have never forgotten that. Wow. I'll tell you, real quick, real quick, another time. I was walking out of Kissing Cousins restaurant up, uh, and, and I had my Bible in my hand, and I walked past some table. I was, there was a guy sitting at the table with a cup of coffee on there, and he saw me walking by with my Bible in my hand, and he put his hand up like that to stop me. And I, I stopped me. He said, son, do you really believe that Bible? This long time ago. Over 50 years ago. Do you really believe that Bible? And I said, I said, well, yeah. I mean, sure I do. I mean, what are you going to say? Yeah, of course I do. I wouldn't be carrying it if I didn't believe it, you know. I'm out in public. <laughs> and so he, said, he, he, he says, son, and, he, and, he, and he, he, he hesitated, and he said it like it was from his heart. He said, if you really believe that Bible, you'd crawl all over broken glass to tell people. I just stood there and batted my eyes. I mean, like a, Brother Hagin said, like a leaf in a West Texas hailstorm, you know? <laughs> I, I, just, I just stood there and I didn't know what to say. And so I just walked away. And here, 50, 50, probably 54 years later, somewhere like, I'm just a baby Christian at the time. So here, I still remember it. I'm still talking about it. If you really believe the Bible, you tell people. You, you would pray for the sick. You would cast out devils. You would... You would do something. You know, you were talking about being edified, you know, as you started and talked about Shorty, you know. Uh, and I, I had the pleasure of knowing Shorty, you know, years later. Shorty know. Horn. Shorty Horn. What, a, what an amazing man. And always full of the Lord, full From of Island faith. City. Just an incredible guy, mm. you know. And I, I think that you could convict him for being edified. He was a... He, 
you know, that, that word edify in the Greek, it means to charge yourself up, you know, like a battery. One of the things that I, that, uh, that, uh, the, the way that I explain that is that how, how, you know, when you buy a toy and you buy the little toy with the, you know, with the monkey, with the, with the clanging cymbals, you know, mm-hmm. and it bounces around and ding, ding, ding. And, you know, when you've had, when you put a full battery in something like that, it just, it just, it just works really well. But when the battery starts to get low, it's like, it goes, <laughs> you know, and that's exactly how we look. That's exactly how we are as Christians when we're not edified, when we're not. And you mentioned about praying in tongues and about, you know, he who prays in an unknown tongue, the Bible teaches in 1 Corinthians 14, 4, edifies himself. And I always say after that, you charge yourself up like a battery. Uh, it's a it's it, it it's a great word picture to live into that God wants us to live our lives edified and He's given us a prescription of how we can go about doing that. I think that's really important. Uh, he doesn't just tell us to do it; He shows us how we can do it. We can pray in other tongues. Well, you know, I think there's a number of ways to to edify yourself, but one of them the Bible says specifically praying in other tongues. Don't you know the devil hates that? He's he's got he's got whole denominations out there preaching against speaking in other tongues. When right there in fourteen, what is it, twenty eight? Or uh, I'm not I'm not uh, no, it'd be further than that. But he says uh, the Living Bible says never say to anyone do not pray with tongues. Uh, and, and it says in the King James, uh, forbid not to speak with tongues. Verse thirty nine. Verse 39. Wherefore, tell you, brethren, covet the prophecy and forbid not to speak with other tongues. You know, right after Brother Hagin said that, and I remember I'm watching an old tape of him preaching, and the, uh, another day or so went by, and I was listening to Andrew Walmack, and he said the same thing almost. He said, everybody needs to be praying at least a minimum of 30 minutes a day. And I almost could hear the Lord say, are you looking for a sign? <laughs> and I thought, my goodness, I won't go into detail. We got one minute before we got to take a break. But I want to tell you, I, I thought you don't, you'd have to be an idiot. You know, if you know all the details behind this. But God is saying, you need to be praying in tongues. Now, there was a time I prayed in tongues two hours a day, but I wasn't even married then. I was way, way, way back. I was a teenager. Not a teenager, but I mean, I was young in, in the Lord, real young. And, um, but, but you know, through the years, I got away from time. I always prayed in tongues probably every day of my life, but not for 15 minutes, not for 30 minutes, you know, not for two hours. But I started praying for that 30 minutes a day because I felt like the Lord said, you know, are you looking for a sign? You got these two men of God that I highly respected probably more than anybody on the planet. And they both are giving the same advice. And I had been going through some real depression. I went through some real low times. And when I started praying in tongues, it took me a little while. You got a really dead battery. It takes a little longer to get it charged up. But I don't mean a long time, probably less than three weeks. And I mean, my, I, I got a backbone like a crowbar now instead of like a jellyfish. Amen. Now you're listening to Ask the Preacher. You need to be in a good church. I want to give you two names. First off, Kenneth E. Hagan and Andrew Walmack. Anything they've got is good. Kenneth E. Hagan, H A G I N. And Andrew Womack, W-O-M-M-A-C-K. You're listening to Ask the Preacher, and we'll be right back right after these words. You're listening to Ask the Preacher 
a question and answer talk show with Pastor Wayne Freed of Believers Fellowship Word of Faith Church. Welcome back to Ask the Preacher. You know, I I have been preaching uh, the last little bit here on uh, stages of oppression. There are so many people that are oppressed. And um, if I had only one thing that I could say, first off, I want to tell you this. If you're oppressed, it's the devil. I, I heard that from Keith Moore one time, changed my life. He said he started talking about the people in the world, how poor they are and hurting they are. And if you live in America, he said, you are blessed. And he said, if you're depressed and you live in America, it's nothing but the devil. And when he said that, I thought about that. That's exactly right. I ought to roll out of bed on my knees every day and just thank God. You know, we are so blessed. And here I was just miserable. <laughs> and so when he said that, I got a revelation. I called my wife at work and I said, honey, I'm never going to be depressed again. I said, this is nothing but the devil. And I said, you know, when the spirit goes out of a man, I quoted this scripture earlier in, in Matthew 12, 43 and 44 and 45. When the spirit goes out of a man, he walks through dry places seeking rest and finding none. He comes back to the house from which he came out, finds it empty, swept and garnished, and goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than himself and takes the house. And the last state of the man's worse than the first. And so if that spirit does not find a home quickly, he will come back to you. And I told my wife, I said, we live in the same house. We sleep in the same bed. You know, when the devil, if I resist him, where do you think he's going to go? He's going to go right next door to you. Not next door, literally, but next door in the bedroom. I mean, he's going to go to you, and he'll bounce back and forth. And it's like we never get any victory. Once you get, I called her at work one day, and I said, how you doing? She said, uh, oh, she said, "I'm, uh, I'm really doing, I'm, I'm really doing good." She said, "I'm, I've got a lot of victory," and I said, "Yeah, I know. He's over here today." <laughs> and, you know, I know it does sound uh. funny, but it's, it's so true. We need to understand that when the devil gives us thoughts that don't match up with God's word, you know, Philippians four eight says, "What things soever, what whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, and of a good report." If there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. It's a good fight of faith. Now think about that. 1 Timothy 6.12 says, fight the good fight of faith. You've got to fight. I told somebody the other day, I said it from the pulpit, I was preaching, and I said, man up. They told me last night, it changed their life. That was five months ago. They said, man, I pulled my act together. I started working out with weights again. I got my emotional life in order and I am a new man. I said, you know, I see it in you. I see it in you. You've got to fight. You've got to fight. What are you going to fight? The devil? No, no, no. Jesus already defeated the devil. The only way he can whip you is through lies and deceit. He operates in the feeling world. The scripture says in 2 um, uh, Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. Well, you'll walk by the word of faith. Romans 10, 8 says the word of faith, which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Now, so we, when, when it's the word of faith, and through that word, wet and water, you know, the word and faith go together like wet and water. I mean, they, you can't separate them. And so you, if you have the word, then you operate by being a doer of what the word says, not by how you feel about it. And it just changes everything, makes a man out of you instead of a little wimp. So I wanted to share something with you. I know I've, I've shared this about three times on the air in the last two, three weeks. But uh, this is a quote by Keith Moore. 
He's the one that made that statement that impacted my life so much. If, if you're depressed, I want you to listen to this. He said, I'm going to give you some of the best advice you've ever, ever gotten. If you'll do it, it'll spare you from untold agony and crying in the nighttime and all kinds of problems in every area of life. Listen to me carefully. Never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, with anybody, in any situation, never, ever, ever, never, ever feel sorry for yourself. Did you get that? I'm still reading. Did you get that? Is what he said. Did you get that? There is never a justifiable reason. There is never a legitimate excuse to feel sorry for yourself. It's always doubt. It's always unbelief. It's always dishonoring to God. Always. I'm still reading. He says, let me go over it real slowly. Never, ever, ever, under any circumstance, in any situation, with anybody, at any time, anywhere, never, ever, ever, never, ever, feel sorry for yourself. Did you get that? I'm still reading. He's, he said that. Did you get that? If you don't, meaning if you don't feel sorry for yourself, uh, I added that. If you don't, you'll stay in faith. It honors God. When you look up through the blood, sweat, and tears and say, God, I believe you. I believe you. I will stand and never quit. Let me ask you, where would you go? Where would you go? Randy and I were talking earlier about, I guess, just getting old, you know? We're reaching the end of our race. And when you think about it, if you've done the word, you've built your house on the rock instead of the sand. Jesus said that in the last few verses of the seventh chapter of Matthew, starting with verse 24. If you're a doer of the word, you're building on the rock. But James 1.22 says, be not... Uh, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. If you know what to do and don't do it, you can't even blame the devil. You know, there are two sides of this. People, uh, Hosea 4, 6 says, people, uh, people are destroyed. God's people. He said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And then the other one is, they know what to do and don't even do it. Thank you for listening to Ask the Preacher. Get in a good church. Come to Believer's Fellowship, Word of Faith Church. Get in the Word. Get some good teaching. God bless you.